Maximize Your Influence is your podcast for the latest persuasion, sales, and negotiation techniques. Our mission is to help you influence on command, anyone, anytime, anywhere. Your host is the author of Persuasion IQ, Laws of Charisma, and the best-selling book, Maximum Influence. Now, your host, Kurt Mortensen. Hey, Maximizers, welcome back to Maximize Your Influence as we teach you how to maximize your success, maximize your influence, maximize your persuasion, maximize life, maximize time, how to get others to want to do what you want them to do and like doing it. That's basically what we talk about. I'm Kurt Mortensen. Welcome back to the podcast. This is podcast number 221. Of course, you can reach me at Kurt, K-U-R-T, at MaximizeYourInfluence.com, and the podcast website is MaximizeYourInfluence.com. How easy is that as we dive into it? Appreciate your feedback and your email. I got a little nasty during the week because I talked about last week the dark side of goal setting, and everyone's hoping for this big pep talk, which I'll give you eventually. I'm going to wait till February when you've lost your motivation for your goals. But it's good to understand the goods, the pros, the cons, the the good side, the dark side of, of the things that we're working on. But we'll help you with that. But I had no idea that you wanted the pure, positive, non-sugar-coated woo-woo for the New Year edition. But sorry about that for some of you, but that's kind of how I roll. Been in town all week. It's been really nice. Kind of cold, but nice as we roll down the start of the new year. So before we do the geeky article, let's do the blunder, the persuasion blunder of the week. Go, Homer! All right, the famous sound on the show. So this actually happened to me, or at least I observed it. I'm always looking for ninjas and blunders. It's what I do. I interview people after they've lied to you and you try to persuade them and they tell you, can't afford it, too expensive, give me more information, talk to my spouse, talk to my partner. We know that 67% of the time that those are lies. And you don't even realize it. But that's for another show. So this was actually going to a food court in a mall, which I hadn't been to in ages. But there was a certain restaurant there that everyone wanted to go to. I guess we can call it a restaurant. I guess it's more of a fast food place. They wanted to get a German Duner. Now, if you don't know what a German Duner is, you are missing out. Because I was in Germany, uh, Darmstadt, I think we called it, uh, last year, doing a big training for a big pharmaceutical out there. And I knew some people who lived in Germany for a while, and everyone's all, get a Duner, got to get a Duner. And I'm like, what's a Duner? So if you know what a Duner is and you can appreciate it, send me an email. But Duners are a Turkish sandwich, kind of like a Greek hero, but it has their flair, their spin, but very popular in Germany. And I think there's a little maybe German spin to it, because I know they have currywurst, which is bratwurst and curry, which is kind of Turkish and German. Excellent. It's called a Duner, D-O-N-E-R, and they are awesome. They are. They're really good. If you like those type of things, you can get chicken, you can get lamb, you get vegetarian, a lot of different types. But we went to check them out, right? Let's go get one. Everyone's talking about it, and I'd heard them. I've had them before because I know when I stayed in Germany, I was there probably I don't know, four or five days, and every night was a different Duner night. And they all have their different spins and types. It's really good. We've got to talk about food on the show. It's been a while. And we went there, and there was a line. And I'm not a big lying person. We've talked about the psychology of lines. But here's this Turkish-German type place, and right next to it, this is a food court, was a Middle Eastern type restaurant. Falafel, shawarma, if you have those, it's very Middle Eastern, very good food. I love Middle Eastern food. 
but there was no one in line. Everybody around, there was a Japanese, there was a Philly cheesesteak, line, 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 line. It was, it was lunchtime. It's one place, nobody. They get the blunder because they didn't even try. Now, think about it. If you were to consult them, have you more persuasive, get more people in line, first of all, put some fake people in line. The studies show that at swap meets and other type things, that having people in line, more people will get in line. When they're the only one, sometimes they don't want to be the only one. The lighting was not as bright. They were probably trying to save money. It wasn't as colorful with the signs and a few other things that didn't attract people. We know that reds and yellows attract appetite. They didn't have any of those. But the worst, the two teenagers they hired to work this place, they were sitting towards the back, and you could see this. They were slouched, not smiling, arms folded, not very inviting. Who'd want to talk to them? Are they going to spit in my food? Right? Now, granted, they're teenagers. They don't have any ownership, and they're only making a slight hourly wage. But you've got to train people to treat the customers the way you want them to be treated. That one's huge. Just smile, arms open, not slouching, up front. Maybe a few food samples, get people in there to taste it, especially if people haven't ventured out and tried other Middle Eastern food and realize how good it is. If they don't recognize it, don't understand it, it could be a way to get them in. So, so many things that could have been done, but weren't they are the blunder? What are they thinking? They're losing business. Again, I know they were teenagers. There's no ownership there. But if you're the owner, you better train people to be able to be more persuasive. Otherwise, they're not going to last in business. So that is our blunder. Next on the show, we have the geeky article. We'll go with Urkel this week. Urkel, go. (laughs) So I was perusing a psych blog, and I found an interesting article I kind of want to expound upon and focus the show on. The article is Simple Behaviors That Make You More Attractive. And this is also on spring.org. I'll put the link on MaximizeYourInfluence.com on podcast 221. And we've talked about attractiveness on the show and how you look. And this is the one that offends most people. And I warn people that, hey, I'm not going to be politically correct. Because people think, well, people shouldn't judge me on how I look. Well, I agree with you, but they do. Some things we can fix, some things we can't. We just got to be aware. And people are like, that's not fair. Well, I I don't want to do business with them, but they're going to judge me. I'm like, okay, whatever. Everybody judges. And let me just put it to you this way. This is what I always say in seminars. To win the game, you have to play the game. People negotiation. Well, I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to start high and go low and do this and that. Hey, if they're coming to play that game and you don't play the game, you're going to lose the game whether you want to play the game or not. Hopefully you got that. But that's critical. You have to play the game and understand the game. It's the game. If you don't want to play, then you're going to lose every time. It's just how it is. It's human nature. We judge and we peg people. That's how we are. I'm not saying this right. I'm not being politically correct, but there's certain things you need to understand based on science and research that we do. All our input in our brain goes through our amygdala, which taints it with emotions and feelings and judgments. It's just how it is. You cannot not judge. Some people, well, I can. Uh, okay, whatever. Your brain won't let you. You might be in denial, but that's how it is. And so being aware of these things is very, very important. So the first one comes from the Journal of Personality and Social Psychology that wearing the color red makes both men and women more attractive. Isn't that interesting? More attractive to the opposite sex. See, when men wear red, it signals status and dominance. When women wear red, it has an extra pull on men's brain. If you think about red lipstick and blush and other things, there's kind of a psychological root in there. I'll let you figure that one out. But colors matter. 
Even a study done with men and wearing ties, they photoshopped different colors on the ties. Red pulled better. There's something about colors in what we wear. We notice people with contrasting colors. Like a red, white, and blue for men. Blue suit, red shirt. Well, maybe not red shirt. Uh, was it white shirt, red tie? Still pulls the best. It depends on culture. We know that the color yellow is the first color that our brain sees. As you notice with fire hydrants and fire trucks becoming yellow, but if you wore a yellow suit or a yellow dress, I mean the bright, bright yellow, yeah, look out, be careful on that one. So color's a real thing. We don't think about it sometimes, but red is an interesting one. Again, you're probably not going to wear an all red suit or all red everything. I mean, you can. I think women can pull it off sometimes, but colors matter. <laughs> Here's an interesting one. And you learned it on this podcast from the Proceedings of National Academy of Sciences. This is a journal about the way you walk, the way you move. <laughs> Women who sway their hips while walking increase their perceived attractiveness by 50%. Men that walk with a little swagger in their shoulders more than double their perception of attractiveness. Now, I was trying to figure out, okay, what's a swagger? Do I have a swagger? I want a swagger, <laughs> right? Swagger involves dipping the shoulders slightly with each step to create kind of a rolling motion. And there's something about the way we walk, the way we walk into a room. I remember a study of lawyers and the way they walked into the room, controlled and composed with their shoulders back, with their briefcase to their side, slowly walked up to the table and, and slowly took things out of their briefcase, calm, cool, and control, made a huge difference on the jury. So even how we walk into a room, do you walk in all flustered and out of control and late? Are you in control and working the room? It's all about developing that rapport and that charisma. And all that research I did for the laws of charisma, it's helpful. It's true. In fact, if you want to go back to podcast 550, we go more into charisma and rapport, and it makes a huge difference when we're talking about that connection, that attractiveness. And when you are more attractive, people like you more. It's easier for them to connect with you. Now, this one's a little bit different from the British Journal of Psychology, that if you eat more fish and chips, <laughs> I made that part up, <laughs> I'm kidding, but it is from the British Journal of Psychology, they found that when you help other people, that both men and women find those altruistic people more attractive, there's something about them. I mean, they did this with over a thousand people, and look at the different behaviors, and those are the ones that are the big difference, and that's also very important in a potential partner. So being altruistic... Helping others without a thought of reward is very important, especially it's more important to women. They find men more attractive. And that also came up with charity research, that when you're charismatic, empathy is part of that. Others know that you feel what they feel. Understanding self-esteem, empowering others, being altruistic, having goodwill, it all is part of the package when you are truly charismatic and influential. And from the Journal of Perception... Nodding your head. You nod your head up and down. It increases attractiveness by up to 40% the research found. <laughs> Isn't that interesting? They called them head nodders. So head nodders were rated as both more likable and more approachable. And it was probably people's personality that appeared more attractive when they nodded. Essentially, nodding makes people more likely to approach you in social interactions. And that was what I found out when I was researching maximum influence about attraction and personality. Now, some people have really ugly personalities and they suck the life out of you. But when you have a really attractive personality, you're actually rated more attractive, more likable, and it's easier for you to influence people. So a study was done to look into personalities and attractiveness, had people rate different photos and, and choose different characteristics, positive and negative. Participants are asked to rate a group of photographs, okay? 
And they had a full range of different looking people and personalities and cultures to look at their pictures and rate them on their attractiveness. But when they were told positive personality traits about them, like agreeable, open, or stable, and some were told the negative side of their personality. I don't go into the negative ones they said, but they came up with some really good ones. But the ones that were told positive characteristics about their personality rated the person more attractive than the person that was told nothing about that photo or that person. So it's interesting. Personality is part of this too as we talk about that attractiveness. Because when you're attractive, there's better connection, there's more rapport, there's more charisma, and it's much easier to influence people. So nodding your head up and down gets you a couple points in your personality and your attractiveness. And we know the head going up and down increases your ability to influence. Like the little commercials on TV, they have the words right at the bottom of the song they're singing, and there's a little ball that's going up and down from word to word. That's to get your head to go in the yes motion, and it makes it more persuasive. Or the college students that were testing these headphones for quality. So they thought, and they were listening to rock music, and in the middle of the rock music was a commercial to raise tuition. Now, a third of the students were going side to side in the no motion when they were listening to this music. A third were going up and down in the yes motion. And the third did nothing, but the group that was going up and down in the yes motion were more persuaded about the raise in tuition. Just saying, something interesting. Here's one. I'll, I'll go over it anyway. The Journal of Evolutionary Psychology Sciences. This is, this is where this study was found. That when women arch their back, extending their buttocks outward, it makes them more alluring. First of all, who does this research? And who gets to watch buttocks for a living? I mean, and who pays for this? If you don't, let me know. But it's kind of interesting what they study. They were going into, that explains the mystery of why high-heeled shoes are so popular. It causes women to arch their back to maintain their balance. And it made them look more appealing. I thought that was fascinating. So our body language, our clothes, how we look, all comes part of the package. The science here, if you're really interested, it's called the halo effect. To when you're good looking, you're dressed nice, you have a good posture... People think you're smarter, more trustworthy, more knowledgeable, more competent than you actually are. Now, we like that. That's a good thing. In the judicial system, uglier convicts get longer prison sentences for the same crime than better-looking ones. In presidential elections, a better-looking candidate usually wins. Except in the last U.S. election, neither one was better-looking, so I guess it didn't matter. In daycare, the better-looking kid gets in less trouble. I mean, it's just kind of how it is. I know it's not fair. I mean, Vegas, they have a whole industry on booth babes and booth dudes. They just hire people for their conventions to sit in their booths that look good. It attracts more people. It's just how it is. Now, I'm not talking about drop-dead gorgeous or handsome where it's like, woo, they never like me. They never go out with me. It's just too much. But when you just look good, and again, some things we can fix and some things we can't, it makes a huge difference. Another interesting one, and studies here all over the map, is that a beard on a man. This is from the Journal of Evolutionary Biology. I'm sure you have a copy of that. Look it up. That women judge full-bearded men to be better for long-term relationships. <laughs> but then some studies show that beards make men look older and more aggressive. Then sometimes well-trimmed beards are judged to make men look like they have higher social status. I mean, there's that type of beard versus... I've been homeless for three years, beard. <laughs> okay. So it's kind of interesting. All over the map on facial hair for guys. And I just kind of look at the different studies. I think it comes down to this is that when you have facial hair and it's not trimmed very well and it doesn't look great, it holds people back. Any type of facial hair actually holds people back. There's just kind of a barrier there. So that could be an instant connection or disconnection with facial hair. 
Short term, they found for dating that stubble's okay. It looks good. It's okay with people. Long term, it can be helpful. People look good with beard. You can look smarter with a beard. So, so something to think about. You're getting judged. I know it's not fair. I know it makes you mad. People shouldn't do it, but it's reality. Again, it could be your personality. It could be how you walk. It could be your gestures, how you look physically. Those are all part of that. Again, clothing. One study shows, we mentioned it before on the podcast, that if you want to get promoted up in your organization, you start wearing what the other organization is wearing. There's something about clothes. I know when I want an upgrade on an airline and what I'm wearing is huge. Or if I'm walking across a hotel lobby in a suit getting ready to do a presentation, I'm treated much differently than when I'm in workout clothes getting ready to work out. It's just how people are. And don't get all hurt or bent out of shape. We have to realize that just people are judging us. That's okay. We want to do what we can to be more attractive with our clothes, with our personality, even with our physical shape and accessories. Attractiveness lies in the simple things that many people overlook. Are you in good physical shape? Watching your weight. If you're over 20% your target weight, it hurts lifetime earning. It hurts the connection. It hurts your ability to influence. I've been there. It's not fair. It's something that we really need to take into consideration. Paying attention to our accessories, our shoe shines, the type of watch we wear, jewelry, glasses, earrings, having well-groomed hair. You can keep track of your hair and your clothing styles. You can watch the media. You can get out there. There are plenty of people that will work with you to make sure that you're in style. When in doubt, you can look to the national newscasters and conservative role models for style and what you need to wear. Most CEOs of companies are taller than average. It's in the same category. I know you can't fix that, I guess. Start wearing heels or heightening or something like that. Not that we recommend that for guys, but there is something about height. So think about these things. What can you fix? Don't focus on the things that you can't fix. Focus on the things that you can. We can all have a more pleasant personality. We can all do better to dress better and to match the situation to where we're going. And there are things that we can do physically. Maybe we need to have better posture, the way we walk. Maybe we need to lose a little weight Maybe we need to smile more. A smile makes you more attractive too. All these things matter. So if you want to be more attractive, if you want to be more persuasive, if you want to be more likable, work on these things. It'll make a huge difference in your ability to persuade and influence. So that's our podcast for the day. A little housekeeping. The archives are posted on InfluenceUniversity.com on the free membership site. Also home of the 52-week PhD Advanced Persuasion Program. We're still offering free copies of Maximum Influence at lawsofinfluence.com. And of course, check us out on YouTube and Pinterest and Facebook at Maximize Your Influence. So everyone, take these skills, internalize them, practice them, use them. And as we always say, develop these skills, fine-tune these skills, and go out and make the world a better place. 